welcome to the Uncle Dan and Sophie Jam. I'm Dan Wakefield, I'm a writer. This is a show of words and music. I'm Sophie Fott, I'm a musician. We believe music and stories are made for each other. That's what we'll give you. Tonight, our guests are Alita Hodge, author of Indiana Avenue, A Musical Journey. And Carl Hines, piano player and veteran. A real life veteran of Indiana Avenue. Thank you. When I was growing up on 61st and Winthrop Avenue with the Monon Railroad rattling in my backyard, my favorite musical group was the Ink Spots. And I had no idea they were from Indianapolis. I had no idea they started from Indianapolis, and I would have been thrilled to know that. So tell us where exactly they started. Well, they started on the sidewalks of uh, Indiana Avenue as very young uh, teenagers. And they would play for coins and hope that one day they could actually go inside a building and perform and have an audience. <coughs> and so one day they were selected to come inside and perform. And then they went to uh, New York and they uh, we're talking with an agent, and they were trying to come up with a name for the group. And so, you know, the, in the old days when you had the ink cartridge pins, and so um, the somebody made a, a spot on the on the piece on a piece of paper, and they said, "That's it, the ink spots." <laughs> and so that's how they got their name. And uh, Jerry Daniels was one of the original ink spots from Indianapolis. Yes, uh, <clears throat> Jerry Daniels, uh, probably much to his regret, left early from yes. the group. Yes. And uh, it was before they recorded If I Didn't Care, which was a number one hit and sold 19 million records. But not uh, only that, but to this day, it's the 10th best selling single of all time which is pretty incredible. And Jerry Daniels did become a music teacher at Crispus Attics. And we learned that Crispus Attics, in fact, was practically like a musical academy. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the people who taught there, <coughs> although he didn't teach music, was Carl Hines. <laughs> So, Alita, I think it would be wonderful to go back 
to the beginning of Indiana Avenue. I mean, in your book, you're describing people dancing on the streets for coins and so many different uh, places where people can hear music and it's um, kind of like on Saturday nights, that's what you do, you get dressed up and go out. And so tell, set the scene for us, tell us what it was like. Yes, well, Indiana Avenue was the place to, to, to be, the place to be seen. You wore your finest clothes. There were three movie theaters and one movie theater inside the Madam Walker building, uh, which is the only building that's still left there. There were numerous clubs, um, the Cotton Club, the Sunset Terrace, AJ's, um, the, the, the missile room. <laughs> the missile room where uh, West Montgomery was discovered. It was an after hours club. And so by day, it was a thriving commercial center where people went and did their shopping because it was a segregated area and that's the only place they could shop. So there were grocery stores, uh, tailors, hat shops, hair salons, barber shops, any kind of soul food you'd like, <laughs> uh, bakeries, ice cream parlors. So the whole family would go and spend the day there. And then at night, it was um, just a thriving mecca for jazz and blues. And people would party the night uh, long till 2 or 4 o'clock in the morning or whenever they got thrown out of the club. <coughs> and people would come from all over. They would come from Kentucky and Illinois and small towns in Indiana. And so um, it was definitely the place to be. And one of the people who came and to try to learn from musicians was a young guy named Hoagie Carmichael. And uh, in his uh, memoir, Stardust Road, he talks about meeting up and becoming a student, as it were, of, of Reggie Duval, who was one of the great uh, early musicians on Indiana Avenue. and. Uh, Although Hoagie Carmichael says how he learned so much from Reggie Duval, but he never mentions Indiana Avenue. And he says Reggie Duval uh, played in some dive. So it uh, <laughs> wasn't exactly the uh, greatest endorsement. But in fact, I've read a lot that, that uh, Hoagie came up during his weekends at Indiana University. But reading Stardust Road, I found that he first started going to Indiana Avenue when he was at Manuel High School. And he somehow discovered Reggie Duval then, and he became his real mentor. Well, uh, I think one thing to say, too, about Indiana Avenue was it, it was a lot of different kinds of music being played there. It was jazz. It was doo-wop, like the Ink Spots. It was blues. Um, it was ragtime. It was honky-tonk. It was just a little bit of everything. And I think uh, the band would like to play you a blues now to kind of pay homage to, to that. Um, this tune, uh, Carl suggested it. He tells me that it's played it was played on a lot of gigs. Yeah. 
it's been amazing to me that I first heard about Indiana Avenue in New York because J.J. Johnson from Indianapolis, who also was, of course, a great trombone player. And so I introduced myself to him and his wife, and then uh, he told me he was going to be playing at the Village Vanguard, and I got to hear him there, which is a real thrill, and learn that he started at Indiana Avenue. Well, I think uh, the band will take this opportunity to pay tribute to JJ and uh, play one of his tunes, a great ballad called Lament.
This is the Uncle Dan and Sophie Jam. I'm Sophie Fott. This is Dan Wakefield. And we are, thank you. <laughs> we are in Indianapolis at the Jazz Kitchen and glad to be here <laughs> celebrating Indiana Avenue. Um, I, I think one of the amazing things, <clears throat> both about um, great musicians from Indiana Avenue, J.J. Johnson, and Wes Montgomery both not only were composers and musicians, they really changed the way their instruments were used to play jazz. That uh, Johnson on the trombone and Wes Montgomery on the guitar really changed the way and people came from a lot of places to come here and study with them. Yes. Of course, Wes invented a totally different way of playing the guitar, and JJ proved that yes, you can play bebop on the trombone. No one had ever done that before. And and Wes, I think uh, the reason he invented uh, this new way is that uh, the neighbors were complaining with him playing the guitar, and they said it was making too much noise. So he started playing it with his thumb and developed a whole way of playing the guitar that way that became the new way of playing jazz guitar. Yeah, the gold standard without a, a pick, which is hard to yeah. do. Yeah, and I haven't been able to find any histories of the city or the state which even refer to Indiana Avenue. Well, uh, so Indiana Avenue was home to a lot of amazing local musicians, many of whom went on to become national stars. But there were also national stars touring the, this circuit. Yeah. Right. Tell us some of the people that came to Indiana Avenue that we would all know. Uh, well, one of them was uh, Duke Ellington, and he went to the Sunset Terrace and performed. All the greats were here. I mean, yes. Louis Armstrong. Yes, uh, Louis Aretha Armstrong, Franklin. Count Basie, uh, Sarah Vaughn. And so Indianapolis was a, a fantastic stopping point because, because the other musicians knew that there were well-trained artists here. This is where they would pick up new artists. Well, we, we are going to play a song in tribute to Duke Ellington. This is um, Perdido, and again, this is another one that Carl tells me was played on every gig or a lot of gigs. <laughs> a lot of gigs.
Dan and Sophie Jam. I'm Sophie Fott. My co-host Dan Wakefield. We're coming to you from the Jazz Kitchen in Indianapolis. Thank you for being here. We've been talking about the teaching legacy of uh, the musicians on Indiana Avenue. And it so happens, although it's a different slant on it uh, that we might expect, that Carl was a teacher of Kenny Phelps, our drummer. So, <laughs> Carl, could you uh, tell us how that happened? <laughs> well, Dan, I moved to uh, Indianapolis in 1964 began teaching at Christmas Addicts High School. Not a lot of people know that I was a math teacher. They assumed that I was a music teacher. Tell us about how Kenny happened to be your student. <laughs> well, as, as I was saying a while ago, he made all A's in my class. <laughs> Straight A's. <laughs> Straight A's. But uh, he was telling a story about, uh, I caught him in the practice room when he should have been in class. <laughs> but I was in the practice room trying to practice myself because I didn't have the time. Okay, let's hear Kenny's side of the story. <laughs> well, I got A's after he caught me. <laughs> I used to cut algebra every day. I just didn't see any purpose in playing drums in Albert algebra. I just didn't see it. Uh, so I would cut his class and I'd go down to the band room. And uh, I went there one day, and he was in there playing, and, and how the room was set up, you'd come into the room, and his back would be toward the door, so he couldn't see who came in. So I snuck off to the side and stood in the corner, uh, kind of on these boxes or whatever, and he's playing, and I, I was just fascinated, because I had never heard jazz piano. And I fell. <laughs> and so he, uh, he said, who's over there? And I came back, he said, I said, well, what are you doing in here? I said, well, I was in here just kind of listening to you. He said, why haven't you come to my class? You've been cutting my class, you know. And so we talked, and he said, what do you want to be? I said, well, I want to be, want to be a musician. And uh, he started talk, talking to me about, uh, did I know about the history and the legacy of Christmas Addicts in the Indiana Avenue? And I thought he was talking about, you know, the basketball. 
You know, every I was like, yeah, I know Oscar Robinson. I, he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> he started telling me about all these great musicians who came out of Attics, and I never knew that because there were there were no pictures on the wall of these musicians that I could remember. You know, it was just class pictures and stuff like that. And we started to really build a great relationship. And then later on, you know, coming in here when the Jazz Kitchen opened and playing, I'd see him and I'd see him playing around town. And it was just all these years, the stories he told me about the Indiana Avenue and all those great musicians, I started meeting some of those people, the David Bakers and, you know, played with Sly Hampton and, you know, all these wonderful musicians and just to feel a part of that is something special to me. Great, thank you. So the legacy, that educational legacy of Indiana Avenue, which runs so strong through the history is being carried on uh, even to this day. And this is where all of us musicians that are playing today come from, whether we know it or not. And one way that we do know it is, you know, Joel, Nick, and I share um, this heritage of having studied with David Baker, who, of course, was a great trombonist who came up on the avenue. Um, and he is also a jazz educator that's impacted a lot of people. And um, I remember taking lessons with David and him telling me, you know, th there was this supportive atmosphere for sure, but also when you got up on the bandstand, sometimes people wanted to embarrass you. <laughs> he said, you gotta be prepared, you gotta know, you know, all these things that could happen and everything they could throw at you. And anyway, one of the things that he pretty much has all his students do is learn these bebop tunes, which have kind of notoriously difficult melodies. And so we're gonna play a tune that I think every student of David's has probably had to learn within the first two weeks of studying with him. <laughs> it's called Half Nelson. Thank you. 
there's uh, another aspect of Alita's book I'd like to have you hear about, and uh, otherwise uh, the musicians or a lot of other people wouldn't have got here to play music or whatever they did, because Alita's grandmother was a midwife in the neighborhood of Indiana Avenue, and there was only one uh, doctor, Dr. Henry Hummins. Right. And so uh, tell us about how your grandmother helped him. Yes, she was a midwife for uh, Dr. Um, Henry Hubbins, and they uh, delivered babies in the homes of women. And there was a general hospital um, right at the corner of 10th and, and Indiana Avenue, but they didn't allow blacks um, in at that time. So that's why the babies were delivered at home. And I, I think it wasn't until 1954 that hospitals in Indianapolis uh, allowed black people. Right, so, right. So that's an important aspect. Another musician who had a day job on the avenue was Wes Montgomery. Um, yeah. Alita, did he tell us, you know, um, tell us the story of Wes Montgomery, what he did for work and how he found the guitar and than how he was found. Well, he moved here from Ohio, and he, self, he was self-taught on the guitar from the age of 19. Which is pretty late for a musician yeah. to start playing an instrument. Yeah. That's pretty late. And so his brothers, uh, Monk and Charles Montgomery, would uh, perform together. And like... Um, uh, Dan was saying that he was told not to play the music too loud, so he would play, you know, with the without a pick, and so he self-taught and um, he would practice hours and hours. He had a studio in his house, and he had seven kids and a wife, and um, he was a welder by day, and. I think he had another job beyond that. He was working all the time. Well, also, I was amazed just to read the, how he physically did everything he did because he had a job as a welder by day. He played at a, one club at night, and then there, I think he played after hours yes. at the missile room. Right. And. He was at one point discovered at the missile room by Cannonball Adderley. Well, uh, in in uh, honor of Wes and his time on the road, but also all those men who chose not to go on the road, uh, we're going to play a song by Wes Montgomery entitled "Road Song."
So Lita, you were given a question passed up to you. Okay. Uh, yes, one of the questions was, uh, what caused the do downfall of Indiana Avenue clubs? Well, there's a myriad of reasons, and um, so um, some of it was the expansion of the highways downtown, uh, 65, and um, urban renewal, which some people <coughs> call um, urban removal, <laughs> and the move to just tear down old buildings and put up wonderful things like parking lots or, <laughs> or other buildings. And so some of the buildings were uh, torn down, uh, or some of the old houses that were in very poor condition were torn down. Some of the clubs were in poor uh, physical condition. They'd been there for a long time, and they weren't kept up to cold. And so some people were forced out of their businesses. And um, some people say, well, it was the, when the age of TV came, came about that more people stayed home and watched TV instead of going out to clubs. And but uh, Carl, uh, I'd like to hear what you felt. Uh, the, as I understand it, the musical peak had already been reached of Indiana Avenue. <clears throat> I wouldn't say the music itself had reached the peak because the musicians were still around but didn't have the abundance of clubs on the avenue itself. They were scattered throughout the town. Yes, and people now had the choice of places to live and to have businesses, so they were forced by segregation to be on Indiana Avenue, but as times changed and people, um, there was more integration. Some of the clubs moved to like 21st and Senate or the, to the 30th and Northwestern area. And so people had a choice of where to go instead of just one place. So there were, there were various causes uh, for and the- IUPUI buying up a lot of the land that had been there yes, too. Yes, yes. Uh, well, that's, that's the sad part of the story. Um, we, we don't have a lot of time left, so I'd like to return to one of the happy parts of the story. Okay. You know, it's amazing what Wes was able to accomplish, and because he was self-taught, he uh, didn't read music at all. And, you know, there's recordings of him playing with orchestras. And I remember hearing those and thinking, how did he do it? How did he do it? But he... What, you, what happens if you can't read music is you rely on your ear and you develop this incredible power of hearing and anticipation and understanding what is musically, I guess you could say logical or inevitable to where you almost don't need the music. And you know, just thinking about the feats that these musicians accomplish. You, know, you have a day job that you're working more than 40 hours a week and you find time to teach yourself how to play guitar in a way that no one has ever done it before. <laughs> it's truly incredible. And um, you know, that goes back to the innovative spirit of Indiana Avenue. People found new ways to play their instruments, new ways to play this music, and it's just a, a powerful thing to, to hear that and see that. You know, 
musicians today like myself and Joel and Nick, we can go to, to college and study this and it's all laid out for us because David wrote the book. But when David was growing up, there weren't any books. And you know, people can debate about the benefits of learning from a book. There certainly are some, but to learn with your ears and to rely on other people and to have that spirit of camaraderie and um, we're in this together, you know, reading about that and how everybody was a teacher, not just a musician, but a teacher, I think is really inspiring and I would love to see all of us carry that forward. <laughs> so we're gonna play we're gonna play a tune by Wes um, called Missile Blues. I guess we can all probably guess wh what it was written for and um, just pay tribute to what an amazing person that was.
we, we, would, we would be honored to close with Alita giving a shout out to some of the family members of musicians who are here tonight who had played on the avenue. Yes, we have some wonderful, awesome uh, family members and uh, musicians in the house. And so one of them is David Franklin. And his uncle was Carl Perkins, and he graduated from Attucks. And he was a pianist, and he played, um, he played along Indiana Avenue. And then he went, uh, he was in the service during the Korean War, and then he was out in LA and he was part of the uh, West Coast uh, jazz movement out there and he played with all of the, the jazz greats of that era. So, um, and then also Reggie Griffin is here. And Reggie performed with a group called Manchild that was a local band uh, during the 70s, during the 70s, I think. And so uh, one of the, well, a few of the members of Manchild were um, the Edmonds brothers, including uh, Babyface, well, Kenny Babyface Edmonds and his brothers. And so, um, you know, the, the rest is history that Kenny went on to, um, we went to Cincinnati and performed with a group called The Deal, and then he later became his own um, guitarist, singer, songwriter, producer of mega stars. And Thomas Griffin, he's related to Clifford Brown. Stanley Bibbs is related to um, Belford Hendricks from Evansville, Indiana. And Belford was a, a composer. He was, he was also another one of these mailmen um, who was composing songs and lyrics and he later uh, moved to New York City and he was composing for people like um, Frank Sinatra, Aretha Franklin, um, Brooke, Brooke Benton, and just numerous stars. And so that's what I found so interesting when I was writing my book is that I just kept finding all these nuggets of wonderful talent in, in Indiana and people from all over the state um, chose to come here and, and to innovate and train others, so um, thank you very much. Okay, well that's all we have for you guys tonight. I just wanna take a, oh, thank you. I'm gonna introduce the band one more time. We have Carl Hines on the piano. Joel Tucker on the guitar. Nick Tucker on the bass. Kenny 
Kelly Phelps on the drums. Alita Hodge, Indiana Avenue expert. All of these wonderful Indiana Avenue musicians and descendants in the audience. Let's hear it for them. My co-host, Dan Wakefield. And I'm Sophie Fott. Uncle Dan and Sophie Jam. We do hope you will enjoy it. You will uh, join us again for the next one. Thank you so much for being here.